Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today with me, my co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. And this is episode 46. I cannot believe we are almost at our 50th anniversary. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so close. <laughs> Yes, my heart is just so full. I was just, right before the podcast, I was letting Chris know how so meaningful and how much appreciated your reviews have been on iTunes. Um, I just, my heart was just so full. I read through them the other day, and um, I just really appreciate all of the positive feedback. And so um, I just wanted to thank our audience for that. Um, and so we hope to continue to bring you value every Tuesday. And today we are going to be talking about female hormones and periods. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Once again, it's uh, girl talk. <laughs> it's girl talk. Um, so yeah, this is the prep life. So we are going to kind of talk about menstrual cycle um, and how it can be affected with competition prep. Um, as most of you know that um, are in the competition world, um, as females, it's, it's pretty typical, um, to temporarily lose your menstrual cycle, amenorrhea. Um, the primary cause is, you know, basically low body fat. Our bodies are not mm -hmm. meant to be that lean. Um, so our body is, you know, from our DNA, we're programmed so that we can survive, um, situations. And if we were to get pregnant, Obviously, the amount of calories um, that a competitor is typically consuming, um, they right. probably are not going to be able to support another life um, getting that lean right. and not having any body fat storage. So um, from from there, Chris, I'm just going to kind of have you take it um, and kind of talk about your Dutch test and some things that we've been doing um to get your yeah. menstrual cycle back. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Period party in <laughs> Glam Gordon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, so I was competing a lot last year, as you guys know, and it was probably within almost five months of my prep that I had lost my menstrual cycle. So it was like right into um, the first show of the year, and um, I had been without my period for, uh, <laughs> well, up to most recently. So it was over a year. Um, and by the time that I was done, like with my shows, Amy worked with me on increasing, you know, my calories, increasing um, a lot of the fats that I needed within my diet um, and I, as we talked about in the podcast before, I did do a hormonal test. Like I gave myself a little bit of time to like get into a reverse. And then I did a hormonal um, test called a Dutch test um, to test my sex hormones um, and my thyroid, all those things. So we kind of had a gauge of what was happening within my body and what we needed to do to keep progressing it um, into a more balanced um like a balanced state and getting my menstrual cycle back was like my number one priority. Like I knew that that was a normal part of like a female functioning. Um, and it was an indicator, a good indicator of, um, health. 
So I wanted to make sure that my body was getting back into like that rhythm again. So um, Amy did like a great job based off of the Dutch test. We could see that a lot of my sex hormones were really, really low. And a lot of those hormones are built off of the use of um, like dietary fats can help with that, especially like cholesterol. So it was kind of crazy to like all of a sudden flip flop and be eating a lot of fats. But, um, you know, I continued in that. And then we also incorporated a uh, supplement like Vitex that, you know, I would take every single day that would just help with my body's natural production of hormones. Um, And then slowly but surely being super patient and managing stress, I was able to get my menstrual cycle back. And it was like a crazy celebration because, you know, if you've lost it for a long time and you are just playing this waiting game, when you do get it back, it's just like a good day. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the journey that we took. Um, and along those instances too, I did, um, you know, like visit my OB and got some blood work done. Um, I did see an endocrinologist to have her assess my state as well. Like I took whatever steps we felt necessary to, um, just be, kind and um, good to like the physique that we had put through so much work last year um, and building it it back up so yeah Yeah. and we made sure that you know we're totally working within the scope of practice she always like she said sought medical advice and supervision for everything Um, but you know as being her coach it was a simple fix for on my end as a nutritionist to incorporate more cholesterol So, um, and then right. also, I don't believe you had mentioned that we also went down to zero cardio. We just focused on steps. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah which yeah. is huge um, because, you know, you can lose your period from excessive cardio. And so I wanted to talk right. about my story, too. Um, I've had my period back <laughs> um, for <laughs> almost like two years, I think. Um, but I didn't have it for a whole um, oh, over two years, um, I had lost it. And um, I, again, worked um, with an endocrinologist. Um, he also manages my hypothyroidism. But, um, you know, I I sought out um, medical advice. And so one of the things, one of the feedbacks that I got from um, one practitioner was that they thought that I had PCOS. Well, um, it came down to it that my endocrinologist when working with him, um, we kind of looked at the diet, um, and the amount of cardio and the very low carbohydrates. I mean, at one point Mm -hmm. I was only getting carbohydrates from my vegetables. So, um, those things were what was causing my amenorrhea. Um, it was called hypothalamic amenorrhea. So, um, that's why I lost my period. And so with the incorporation of just in the last couple of years, like with really trying to mitigate cardio, especially in the off season, um, being very conscious of long bouts of that, um, you know, increasing my calories, um, making sure that I have, um, a really good mix of complex carbohydrates and, you know, doing refeeds and things like that, high carb, um, incorporating all of that so that my body stays, um, healthy because you know when we're younger we don't really like the period I mean 
obviously yeah. it's annoying because you get cramps and um you know it's it's not fun to have but when you don't have it you gain this new appreciation of that is your body's way of it's detoxing so every month you know and that's a good indicator that you are are healthy and um so we want to talk a little bit about PCOS as well um so this is basically something that affects um I want to say it's like 50 million women is that correct five million Um, five million women in the United States um and so that's just the the cases that have been diagnosed but there's a lot of people that go undiagnosed with PCOS um several people I've heard of that have had it for like 15 years um and their doctors um just had had not diagnosed it so um with all of this we always want to say that we want to work within our scope of practice so um, absolutely when we speak about this um we do not suggest that you take things into your own hands um you do need to be diagnosed by a medical professional um yeah and so we're just going to um educate on just the three ways that um that are signs of, of PCOS and then, um, just some lifestyle things that really in general, anyone can do, um, to just increase their insulin sensitivity, which we could all use that, um, and just prevent chronic disease like obesity and cardiovascular disease. So Chris, do you want to start with, um, basically what some of the symptoms are for PCOS? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to kind of define what PCOS is, is it's um, an imbalance of your reproductive hormones. So it's like an instance of that. And a lot of times it's um, uh, a problem where you've probably heard that there's a problem with your ovaries um, and like a lot of testing for that organ can kind of like be an indicator, but um, a lot of times it's an elevation of male hormones. Um, and that's kind of how, that's kind of like the best indicator it seems to diagnose something like that. So some things that you might experience are number one, like irregular periods, um, or no periods at all. Um, you could also have, um, like problems with skin, like you're, you're experiencing a lot of acne or like skin issues. Um, you can also notice, um, some like abnormal facial hair growth or growth in areas that's a little bit darker. Um, that's, uh, like, like, yeah, not, not ideal. Um, so those are like a couple things. Are there any other symptoms I'm missing? Um, so you said the, um, acne, um, did you mention like, dryness or eczema um, no. like skin rashes yeah skin issues that yeah mm-hmm. one. um fatigue um weight gain is definitely one um oh there's there's digestive a lot issues. of issues yeah there's yeah, a lot of different issues um and we'll go further into the four types so depending on what type the individual has um they can all be effective differently but there are um 
there are three ways basically that when you go to the doctor they're going to be able to say if you have two of the three you have to have at least two of these three signs in order to you know like that's that's kind of classified yeah exactly so like you said um the irregular periods the excess androgen so elevated testosterone um and then polycystic ovaries so um the ovaries would be enlarged um and then contain follicles that surround the eggs um so, so some of those things um basically if you have concerns about your menstrual periods um a lot of people experience too infertility so if they yeah. are having trouble getting pregnant um that's something to look into um it's also a genetic um thing so if your if your mom has it um it increases your chances i think by like 40 percent um that you would have it too if somebody in your family does um yeah so some things to um some things whoops are you still there yeah i'm Sorry, here the <laughs> the screen blanked out um so oh. <laughs> um some of the 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 things that happen um and you want to see your doctor basically um you you could have excess insulin um yeah so, it's a big one yeah, and so if you think about um, people with PCOS, if you think about your cell wall as having a door and insulin is the key to o- to open it to allow your blood sugar um, when you have a blood sugar spike, um, it's like something's wrong with the lock. Um, it's kind of like you're jiggling the lock and it's having trouble opening. So um, typically people with PCOS have um, some insulin resistance um, right. And so that can, um, those elevated blood sugars can be an indicator. Um, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll want to test your, a, um, A1C, but you'll also need to test the level of insulin in your body as well. Um, so some other things that you might find is, um, you're prone to infection. Um, you have a lot of inflammation, um, so they typically, um, get inflamed. So you like you were saying, like IBS, um, they could have right. SIBO, um, digestive problems, maybe like food sensitivities, um, anything on that that I'm missing on the inflammation part? No. Um, yeah, no, those are like the big ones. I feel like, you know, when you're dealing with inflammation, like it kind of like pinpoints. Yeah, and so some of the the foods that can kind of um, show, it's basically if you were to follow um, the inflammatory diet, um, it can really help reduce a lot of the symptoms that occur uh, with PCOS. So some of those things are gluten, um, and it can, and you know, some people can tolerate gluten and wheat just fine, but for others, it can really affect the permeability of their digestive tracts and almost get toxins into your body. Um, So it can cause a lot of inflammation in that regard. Um, And obviously you'll know because you have upset stomach, bloating, um, gas, whatever it may be. Um, Another one that is highly inflammatory that we've talked about a lot about both of these um, and how we 
eliminate them four weeks out for a competitor because they do cause inflammation in most people's bodies. And that other one would be dairy. Um, right. So just to kind of cover our bases in any individual, we, we try to eliminate that and also added sugars. So any kind of right. like processed foods and things like that. So anything that we would do for a competitor four weeks out, um, kind of the same thing. Um, and then just adding um, anti-inflammatory fruits with antioxidants, um, vegetables. So your cruciferous vegetables like your broccoli, your cauliflower, kale, um, things like that um, that are going to help bring inflammation down. Um, nuts, you know, a lot of those different yeah. items. Eggs can sometimes be inflammatory to certain individuals as well. Do you have anything to add on those, on the anti-inflammatory No, but diet? I, I can, yeah, I, I know that sometimes like corn can be inflammatory as well, like corn products. Um, but I can say from experience, like I have never been diagnosed, um, but I know that my body is like very sensitive. And so inflammation is something that I regularly have to be conscious of. And that's pretty much like, I have noticed cutting out a lot of sugars and dairy um, and even gluten has made a huge difference in not only like the inflammation that I find within my gut or um, like just feeling like a little bit like puffy um, and eggs, same thing too as well. Like I find that that just being a regular part of my diet has just like helped me in general. So, I mean, this is great for people with PCOS, but um, I do feel like it's, sometimes just a good thing to keep in mind too, if you are just struggling with inflammation in general. Yeah. And it can be different, so different for everybody. And there's some people with PCOS that, um, it's like the lean sort of PCOS that they don't struggle with that side of things. Um, they may have different symptoms and then just anyone that doesn't have PCOS, um, for some people, eggs can cause like a lot of bloating, so it's something that you have to yeah. just kind of like trial and error with um, through yeah. an elimination diet and then also kind of looking at your biomarkers. So, um, you know, the repercussions of eating a particular food that you're sensitive to could occur like three days later after eating it. So it's important to journal yeah, that. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah, so you may feel like headache, fatigue, brain fog, um, different things like that. Um, I know that with Chris, we we tried to reintroduce eggs and you almost felt like you were getting like the sweats, didn't you? Oh my gosh. It was so crazy. Yeah. I had one egg, just one egg. And it was probably within an hour. I felt like, like cramping in my stomach and yeah, I got really hot and I <laughs> remember I just like laid on the floor. I'm like, this is not worth it. Like, um, but I think when you get used to like, paying attention to like your body, uh, like biomarkers and stuff like that. Um, you, you can definitely tell when things just make you feel like awful. So yeah, I immediately knew like, mm, this is not something that I want to risk or I want to eat right now. But yeah, all the symptoms are different. Cause I know people experience stuff like either immediately or it's within like a couple days or it's like, yeah, weird things like a headache. Like people don't think that it could be food related. So yeah, really pay attention to how foods make you feel. Yeah, and it's so different for everybody. So it's just important to kind of pay attention to those things. Um, some other things that could help um, 
because they are more of a insulin resistant type of person, um, fiber can really help slow digestion, digestion down. Um, and then it helps regulate blood sugars. Um, so complex carbohydrates, you know, keeping the processed refined foods like white bread and things like that. Um, and going to more, um, like complex carbohydrates, like sweet potato, um, your oatmeal, things like that, um, where it's a little bit more slow digesting and, um, it just helps regulate those spikes of, um, insulin and helps manage the metabolism. Exactly. And when your insulin levels are actually more balanced, it will, it actually helps balance out your moods too. So I know that when we are like coming to that time of the month, sometimes we have those like crazy cravings. Um, but sometimes if you're like spiking your um, insulin by having like chocolate and all kinds of sweets, it can actually like progress the issue a little bit further. I know like keeping my blood sugars in or in line definitely help with my moods. So yeah, uh, and- yeah, the fiber has been like a big help. And a lot of people that deal with PCOS typically have some sort of mood disorder. That's another symptom that occurs, either depression or anxiety. And um, the high blood sugars, if they aren't regulated, um, you know, that can really affect some of those things. Um, So something to keep in mind there. Um, So let's talk about um, kind of the the exercise side of this. So when you're looking at somebody, if somebody has been diagnosed by a doctor, um, so we as trainers, it's within our scope of practice to be able to give them a workout that works for their body and their diagnosis. So if I have a client that has been diagnosed by a medical professional and I know that they have PCOS, um, then I'm not going to give them a lot of endurance um, based activities because that will really inflame their body. So marathons are not for people with PCOS um, or triathlons. Um, Actually, strength training is probably the number one thing that they can do to really help manage their PCOS symptoms because weight training makes you insulin sensitive, which is great, um, and it helps with metabolism, and it will help regulate your blood sugar. So HIIT training is very similar where you're doing intervals. So you want a short amount of time um, spent on cardiovascular work because if you get into those long hours of that, it can actually have the opposite effect and cause Mm -hmm. more inflammation in that person's body. So anything to add on, do you want to talk about like 10 minute walks and things and how that can help with the insulin sensitivity as well? Yeah, I know um, going for like a short walk, some exercise after your meal will also help with like um, glucose uptake. So it will help with your body's ability to um, utilize the insulin and bringing the glucose into your cells. So, and that's like light activity. So don't think that like with PCOS, you can only do like these crazy intense um, workouts, but those types of exercises are best yeah, especially for people with insulin resistance. and um, But daily activity is always good, too, especially right after a meal. Yeah, it helps with digestion, and then it just helps with that insulin sensitivity. Some other good activities to do would be yoga and any kind of, like, mind-body work, like Pilates, 
um, if it works within your program. Um, bikini competitors, probably not so much the Pilates part because it works the core in some ways that aren't so favorable for the hourglass. But yoga and meditation, especially stretching, um, not only are you working on recovery, but you're also helping decrease the inflammation because you're bringing down that the the body out of fight or flight response into that rest and digest for your CNS or your HPA axis, the hypothalamus pituitary axis. Um, so <laughs> those mitigating that stress is going to, you know, reduce your cortisol. Um, yeah. And we all know that, you know, cortisol is anabolic. Testosterone is anabolic. Those are androgens that are high in PCOS people. So we need to bring those down. So when we're also thinking about the adrenal glands, um, it's, it's important to consider a very low to zero caffeine intake. Um, because those can be done. Yes. yes. (laughs) Zero caffeine can be done. (laughs) Yeah. Those stimulants are going to increase the cortisol. And a lot of times you'll see with somebody with PCOS, not only do they have high testosterone, but their cortisol is flipped. So, Something Chris didn't mention, it was we took a good look at her cortisol on the Dutch test and that it followed the curve that it was supposed to, where it's supposed to spike early in the morning and then melatonin is supposed to spike at night and it's supposed to come down so you're not wired and tired at night. So a lot of times um, people with PCOS will have, especially if they have the adrenal-based PCOS, they'll find that their cortisol is all jacked up. So, um, you know, (laughs) paying attention to their sleep hygiene and the blue light and the last hour before sleep is so important, but also staying away from stimulus like caffeine um, and coffee are really important, too, to bring that that body back down into a state of rest. Anything to add on that? Uh, No, I well, I also think that, like, if you're experiencing symptoms, from your PCOS that is um, like anxiety related, it's good too to also watch the caffeine because sometimes that can just exemplify that symptom. Yes, totally. And um, ironically, we are running out of time, but I just want to um, I want to talk about the four types that of PCOS that are out there. Um, so once you've been diagnosed, you um, you may have the most common which um, is the insulin resistant. Um, I think it's about 70% have that. Isn't that right? Mm, I think so. I'm the worst with numbers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so it's a lot of people. <laughs> yes. The insulin resistant <laughs> is the most common. Let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, they're going to have good. high insulin metabolic syndromes. They're going to be the ones that are overweight, that have a lot of trouble losing weight. Um, Typically, doctors will prescribe them birth control and metformin, but that does not work with everyone. So um, it's important to also maybe consider working with a functional medicine doctor so that you are addressing other things that you can do with diet, exercise um, to reverse that insulin resistance. Um, Yeah, it is 70%. I just found that. Um, the, The second one, do you want to talk about that one, the inflammatory? Inflammatory. Uh, yeah, so that happens a lot with um, chronic inflammation. 
So um, your ovaries, they make too much testosterone. So you want to look for symptoms like unexplained uh, fatigue, bowel issues like we talked about, like IBS or SIBO, um, headaches, joint pain, and a lot of skin conditions um, will kind of like be the precursors or the indicators that it's uh, your PCOS is coming from an inflammatory source. So the third one is the adrenal PCOS, and we talked about that. Um, it's when you have an elevation of the androgens and the testosterone, um, and then also, and uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but basically adrenaline. <laughs> um, so um, that is, it's not, um, the adrenal PCOS is not driven by the insulin resistance or the inflammation, but instead it's just an abnormal response to stress. This one's more rare. Um, and so stress reduction is huge with this one. Um, and then like we said, um, like yoga, meditation, sleep hygiene, and, um, reducing caffeine. And then do you want to talk about the, uh, pill PCOS? The, um, just temporary, but. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm not as familiar about that one. Okay. So post pill PCOS, um, patients, they're just, they just need to be calm and know that the symptoms are temporary and it's just part of like the, um, drug withdrawal process of that, um, oral contraceptive, um, or birth so control. Stopping. Yeah. So they're going to have, um, you know, the, some of those symptoms, but it's not going to be long-term. So you just may gotcha. experience it right after coming off of the pill. Um, okay. So that one's, yeah, that one's not <laughs> a go. chronic long-term, which the rest are. <laughs> so they're ones that, you know, are going to have to be addressed throughout. But if you take anything away from this entire talk, it's just that um, selecting foods and um, your workouts are so important. Um, and so my clients that have PCOS, I really, I try to address, you know, what we can do in their diet, um, what we can do with their exercise, their sleep, their recovery, and then really looking at the health of their adrenals and looking at that whole picture on just lifestyle things that are within my scope of practice that I can help them. Um, and it can be hard at first, like to give up certain things, but when you feel what you feel once you've made those choices, um, especially in regards to food and eliminating, and you feel what that energy is like, um, to right. me, it's so worth it. And knowing that you have PCOS, um, you know, it's it no longer is like a crutch or an excuse. It's just a strategy that you have to, you know, you know that you have this. So you may have to work harder than the average individual to lose weight. It's going to be challenging, but just like, you know, you just have to kind of look at those things that are going to fuel your body and those things that are yeah. going to work best for you because um, everyone's a unicorn. Everyone's unique. Um, they have their own needs. Um, and so if we can just look at it, food like that, that it's energy um, for the body and, mm -hmm. you know, just providing that good health. Anything to close? Yeah. Yeah, and everybody has a different obstacle. Like, I know we talk about everybody being, like, individual um, as far as their prep or how they diet. Um, but I think sometimes 
we get like super discouraged when we're like, well, I have this. Um, but every, every single person has something that they have to work around. Um, so just kind of learning to, um, just accept the body and the physique that you have and then work with the tools because everybody can get there. Um, it's just a matter of finding your, you know, your unicorn prep. Um, that's right. But then the, yeah. And the other thing I just wanted to end with is that I am really thankful that I was able to, you know, like get back into having my menstrual cycle, um, in a, uh, I don't know. I don't know if holistic is the right word, but like a very natural way. We'll say that, um, by like focusing first on foods and exercise and regularly communicating with Amy and working through, um, like a lot of body changes that happen, like that was that's super rewarding knowing that I was uncomfortable. At, like I didn't want to have to go on a medication to kind of like get things going or back in order. Um, and I was able to do that by being very patient and by just like taking some natural steps to get my cycle back. So, um, I think, it's you know, I know that's probably, to... sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, no, it's probably not the case for everyone, but um, it was like super important for me. I I think that's awesome. Um, I think though that we need to share with the listeners that you were actually by several different medical practitioners that you were offered oh, to yeah. take the pill. And I think that's important yeah. that we know, like people know that that's sometimes the default um, and not to speak poorly on the medical profession because I, there yeah. obviously I, <laughs> I go to a, a reproductive endocrinologist for these, this issues. But um, yeah, sometimes like just looking at the the whole picture, like you said, like the holistic or the functional medicine side of things, where you know you can work integratively with all things rather than just going straight to that. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. I think there's good and yeah, there's good and bad in any field, like. So it's not all doctors one way or the other. Like I just, the ones that like I had visited were very, very adamant, like right away. Like you haven't had a period, like you need to take birth control. And it was more than one doctor that like really pressed it on me and almost scared me. Um, But I just knew from like previous history with being on like a synthetic hormone, I was, I never felt like myself and I really didn't want to go through that again. I knew the importance of having my period, but um, it was like a, it was a tough battle. Like it was a conscious decision of like, okay, I need to be really patient and I need to like be open to like new strategies. Um, and yeah, it ended up paying off. So, um, yeah, like definitely seek good medical help and don't be afraid to see a different doctor if you're not getting treated the way that, um, you want your body to be treated. Sounds good. Um, well, this is the conclusion of our period slash PCOS episode. Um, <laughs> period. Things, period. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. And um, this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini. We are signing off. Please find us on Instagram at Prep Live Podcast. And if you could be so kind to leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. Um, we do this. Um, it's non-funded. We just do it out of the goodness of our hearts. And if you <laughs> have 
found value in this, please share it with somebody else that you think could find that same value. Please tag us on your story um, on Instagram. We just love seeing that. So um, I love that. I love seeing that you guys are listening and you're posting. It makes me so happy. <laughs> So keep and, doing it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, and my fabulous co-host, um, can we? Oh yeah, and my name sorry. is it's Chris, like Chris Queen Nicole. of Awkward <laughs> Closure. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I introduced myself at the end, <laughs> but not you. Sorry. Okay, you. so it's not a smooth transition. Yeah, that's okay. But this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach, and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thank you so much for listening, guys. <laughs>